for this next session, I, I just wanted to introduce uh, Nigel Thomas from Tunbridge Wells. Uh, yay! Um, Nigel has been part of Tunbridge Wells for, for five years, and during that time has sort of helped to develop a prophetic team there. One of the things that I love about Nigel is the fact that in addition to being strong prophetically, he also is a strong teacher as well. And those complementary of gifts have helped him to be able to bring together principles on how to train people in the prophetic as well as having the gifting to be prophetic. And one of the things, just my comment to that, is that a lot of times we think we need to be really, really strong prophetically to lead a team. Actually, I think some of the complementary gifts of being a teacher and being pastoral actually get have more benefit in gathering together prophetic people than it is to simply have just a prophetic gift. So I want to commend to you, Nigel, he's been just a great person to work with. He, what he's going to do is just sort of give us some practical things about how to train people in the prophetic and making the prophetic accessible. Will you give him a warm welcome of appreciation? So I've just got to that stage now with my glasses that I can either stand back here and see that, or I can take them off and I have to stand back here. So it's that terrible bit where I'm not quite sure where I am in the middle. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, as Mike was saying, I oversee prophecy at New Life in Tunbridge Wells. And what I want to do this afternoon is just share with you a little bit of our journey over the last five years. Um, I've kind of called it Beyond the Open Mic, in a sense, because we're all familiar with that prophecy and the open mic. But how do we go beyond that? How do we encourage prophecy in the local church amongst everyone, not just those who come to the open mic. So that's what I'm going to share, a little bit about our story. Um, I'd say our story is a story. It's still a journey. It's still ongoing. So I'm not sharing as one who's, we've been there, seen it, done it. We're still discovering. We're still learning. We're still growing. But I hope in this session I'll be able to share with you some ideas, things that might help you, and some pitfalls to avoid so you don't have to go through some of the things that we've had to go through. But let me start, first of all, with a story. A couple of weeks ago, a lady came to me, and she was just sharing how last year, 2014, had been a very difficult year for her. Personally, family-wise, there was a lot going on. It was really tough. And in the midst of that, she felt God saying to her, I will fight for you. If you let go and take a step back, I will fight for you. So she, um, she took a hold of that, and she, she's part of our sort of beginner's prophecy group. So um, she thought, right, I'll, I'll take a hold of that, and I'll do that, and I'll take a step back. Um, however, things didn't turn out as well as she would have hoped. Um, they didn't turn out very well at all. And coming up to Christmas, she was beginning to doubt that she really had heard God at all. Maybe she got that wrong. Maybe she should have got involved instead of taking a step back. And then at Christmas, we were encouraging our, our prophecy group, our beginners group, to give words to people for 2015. Not long words, just headlines. What's the headline that God wants to encourage people with for 2015? And then uh, share a picture or an object or, or something around that headline as a kind of reminder of what God is saying. And this lady was saying to me, uh, somebody came up to her in the group who didn't know her her history or, or past or anything that was going on. And she said this to her. She said, uh, I can't get it out of my mind, but I've bought you a boxing glove because I feel God is saying to you in 2015, he's going to fight for you 
and you need to stay, just take a step back and let him do the fighting. She was blown away, absolutely blown away, not only because it just peeled off all the anxiety, worry about maybe she got it wrong and confirmed that she had heard, but also for the person sharing it who, who knew nothing and was blown away that God actually spoke to her through this. And the reason I share that is sometimes we can get caught up in the big stories of people coming to the front of church and, and sharing these things and forget the little stories behind the scenes that didn't take place on a Sunday morning. It took place behind the scenes, and yet it was amazing. It was so encouraging, and that's why I love prophecy. That's why I love to see everybody, the whole congregation, getting involved, hearing God, and sharing his heart um, to each other. Whilst coming to know Jesus is probably the most important thing we can ever do, there is nothing more exciting than helping people encounter the heart of God and enabling them to share that heart with others. It's just so exciting. It builds faith in people. It brings strength, encouragement, and comfort. Diane Harrison, in her book, The Power of Prophetic Teams, she says this, a congregation with regular, ongoing prophetic ministry will see reduced levels of discouragement and depression amongst its members. And I would add to that an increase in excitement and expectation of what God is doing. So if we're encouraging it across the whole church, we should begin to see the atmosphere of our churches beginning to change. We should feel, see people becoming more excited, more positive, more uh, interested in what God is doing. Sorry, Dan, can I have the next slide? If we're encouraging prophecy in our church, there's other things that we should see. We live currently in a consumer culture, okay? We live in a culture which is thinking, what am I getting out of this? What's in this for me? And unfortunately, it doesn't escape from the church. You've probably all heard people saying things like, the worship didn't do anything for me this morning. Well, actually, the last time I checked, I thought it was supposed to do something for God, but hey, there we go. Or, I didn't get anything out of the talk today. That's that consumer mentality. People turn up on a Sunday morning wanting to consume rather than give. I spoke to somebody before Christmas in our church, and they said this. They said, I only come to church for the presence of God because everything else is irrelevant. And it just really hit me. Gosh, is that, is that really what's, what's going on in people's minds? Prophecy changes people from consumers to contributors. They begin to see the neighborhood differently. They start to visualize the workplace in a new way. It changes the way that people see Sunday mornings. These areas suddenly become mission opportunities to encourage, build, and strengthen people. So when they turn up on a Sunday, they're looking to what can I give? Who can I encourage? Who can I build rather than what can I get? What's in this for me? So I want you to close your eyes for a moment and just imagine a Sunday morning in your church with a whole congregation out there sharing words and blessing each other. Now, for some of you, that might be a bit of a nightmare, actually, more than a vision. You might be thinking, oh, my goodness, how can I release everybody to do that? So can I have the next slide, please, Dan? We're not advocating a free-for-all. So this is some of the things that we've learned at New Life. One of the most important things with prophecy is 
uh, it can be dangerous. Mike was sharing this morning, the fire in the log burner is great. The fire on the carpet in the lounge is not good. Okay, and that's what prophecy is like. It can do, in the, in the log burner, it brings peace, comfort, well-being. On the carpet, it causes fear, panic, and confusion. So we need to, if we're going to harness prophecy, if we're going to get the most out of it, we need to set some boundaries to start with. We need to have a structure in place that actually helps people to feel free to prophesy and not fear as to what can I do and what can't I do, and I just don't know. Boundaries mark the places where people can safely go and keep them from the places that are dangerous to tread. Now, each individual church, you're going to have your own boundaries. It'll be a case of you sitting down and saying, well, what boundaries do we want to set? You can go on the internet. You can look up. When I was looking at the boundaries we set out at New Life, I went on the internet, uh, downloaded boundaries and guidelines and stuff from all across the world. It's fantastic what you can do with Google now. Um, but you'll need to decide what it is, your heart, your DNA for your church, the boundaries that you want to set. And you need to communicate those clearly to those that you're releasing or looking to release in that whole area of prophecy. So what I want to do, I just want to read to you the prophetic guidelines that we use, we've developed at New Life, that work for us. As I said, this is not so you can take these away and do the same. You need to decide what's right for you. But it'll give you some ideas of what we've used in our guidelines. So they say this. We value the gift of prophecy and welcome it in our meetings and the life of the church. However, in order to ensure that our church environment continues to be a safe place to have a go, we ask that people observe the following guidelines. We believe prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and comfort people. If God shows you anything outside of these parameters, words that tell people what to do with their lives, jobs, and relationships, or words which promise babies, healing, and marriage, etc., we ask that you share it with someone in leadership first who will help you decide what to do with the word. So we're not saying you're wrong. We're just simply saying those words need to be shared with leaders first before we speak them out. We ask people who prophesy to share clearly, concisely, and lovingly, prefacing their words with, I think God may be saying, rather than God says. We recognize that God allows his gift to work through imperfect people, which can lead to some prophecies being good, but not God. With this in mind, we encourage everyone who receives a word from someone else to weigh and judge it before acting on it to ensure that the prophecy lines up with the teaching of the Bible and that it brings encouragement and comfort, not worry or condemnation. We also ask that people share the word with mature Christians who can provide discernment, insight, and wisdom into what God is saying. And at the end of our guidelines, we say this. We seek to pastor people in the prophetic, looking to provide honest and constructive feedback. We ask all of those who share words and pictures to be open to this process in order to help us protect the integrity and development of this very important gift. 
So this is one of the very first things we did before we built teams. We needed to establish what we were comfortable, where the boundary lines fell, to make sure that we could communicate that to those people that we wanted to prophesy so that they knew what they could and couldn't do. And I have to say, and Steve's here, I have to say in, in the five years we've been doing this, I don't think I've had to speak to anybody because they're clear enough and everybody knows. The temptation is, if you're wanting to encourage people in the prophetic, the temptation is to sort boundaries as you go along. If you do that, it doesn't happen. Or it does, but they become what I'd call invisible boundaries. They're in your head, but they're not being communicated. And then what happens is somebody discovers those boundaries when they go too far, and suddenly you're tapping them on the shoulder, and they've crossed the boundary that they didn't know was there. I was in a church previously, which was a little bit like that. There were boundaries, but they weren't communicated. And I would often have people coming to me saying, I don't know what I've done. I, I, don't, I was just, you know, I've done what I've always done, and now I'm not allowed to do anything at all. A lack of boundaries creates confusion and fear, and that's not a good atmosphere to encourage prophecy. Okay? So boundaries, really important to settle at the beginning. Next slide, please, Dan. At New Life, Tunbridge Wells, our vision for prophecy is everyone from the oldest to the youngest should be confident in hearing God and confident in sharing his heart with others. So that's basically our vision. Every time I get up to speak, I guess people will be fed up of hearing that, but somewhere in my message, that's what I'm going to be telling you guys. Everyone, that includes everybody here from the oldest to the youngest, confident in hearing God and confident in sharing his heart with others. So just to give you an idea of what that looks like practically on the ground, we have three groups that we run at Tunbridge Wells. We have a hearing God group. That's for those who want to become more confident in the hearing God side. And it's also for those for whom the word prophecy is a bit scary. Okay, There are plenty of people that I recognize have got a prophetic gift, but that word for whatever reason, makes them feel uncomfortable and they don't recognize it. So we have a hearing God group and it's great and it's filled with people with prophetic gift, but they're comfortable. They like the idea of hearing God. Everybody can do that. Um, we also have a prophecy group. That's for those who are confident in hearing God, but actually want to grow in how do I share the stuff that God is speaking to me. So again, it's a group of people who are looking to grow in the gift, who want opportunities, and to learn how to share what God is giving them. And finally, we have a prophecy team, which is made up of those who have been through the prophecy group over the last few years. They're confident in the gift, but just need to use it more. You'd be amazed at how many people have a mature gift sitting there, and they're just not using it. So if you go into the prophecy team, I always tell them, beware, because you will have to start using the gift, because I won't let you just sit there and do nothing, so you'll be using it. One other thing that we've learned in setting up these groups is there will always be people who will come and say, I'm too busy to go to the group, but I'd like to get involved in what you do on a Sunday. Well, our groups only meet once a month. And I kind of figure if you don't have one Wednesday evening free a month, maybe this isn't your main gift. Maybe there's another gift that's more important than that. 
But the point for us is we're looking to build teams. What Mike said earlier, we're looking to build team, not Lone Rangers. So if you want to be involved in what we do and the exercises we share on a Sunday morning, you need to come to the group. We want you to be on the same page. We also want you to learn how to work together in team. Mike, do you want to come and share what you do at Lowestoft? Just a couple of things I'll add. I've drawn quite a bit from Nigel's kind of prints some things about how he's been developing team. But a couple of things that we did is that we identified some people as they're starting to hear God that just needed to be brought together. So I found some materials that kind of spoke about the heart of the prophetic and broke it up into eight monthly um, snippets and had them read that during the month. And then when we got, got together, half of it, we, we discussed it and talked about it. Then the other half, we just prophesied and just the opportunity to learn and to be able to do. And so that was kind of the first gathering. This last year, what we're recognizing is that in every part of church life, there are prophetic people. So in our intercessors, in our pastoral teams, in, our, in, in all the diff different parts of it, those with evangelism and that sort of thing. And so what we realized is that we needed to bring them under a common umbrella of prophetic culture. So what I did was I sent out an invitation to all these different people that are sort of on our radar, so to speak, and just encouraged them to meet once a month for a year. And I mentioned those things about dealing with character, confidence, and commitment. And what we did was we've picked out, borrowed some things from Peterborough, which they did in some of their go deep things, of picking out just some chapters that spoke into some of these character issues that we wanted to look at and have that as reading outside of it, but then developing during, during our times together just an opportunity to be able to grow in, in, in having confidence prophetically. And what we came up with is sort of, first of all, learning, secondly, trying, but we want to get people to a place where they're living it, where there's something inside of them that's, that's driving the prophetic in their, their walk with God rather than simply being encouraged all the time. And so that's one of the things that we do with the idea at the end of the year of then having an exit strategy for them to be able to go back into their different areas of the church with the same prophetic culture that is the umbrella of what we're all doing. So that's, that's probably it's what I'm doing uniquely to what Nigel's doing. Great. Dan, come next slide, please. So I said at the beginning, what we're exploring is prophecy beyond the open mic. So how do we encourage it? If we, if we just have an open mic, that's great and that's important, but it does limit who can or can prophesy on a Sunday morning. It also limits where people think the gift functions. So what we're looking to do is to, to find ways, one, people can use their gift more on a Sunday morning. Secondly, where they can use their gift outside of Sunday morning in other areas of community life. So uh, I said earlier, most people don't have a problem hearing God. What they need are creative ideas for actually looking to use that gift. So on Sunday mornings, for instance, we put a lot of emphasis on uh, opportunities before and after the service rather than during the service. So we will, our guys in the team and the group will be in pairs and they will come intentionally on a Sunday morning with something to do, an exercise to do. So it may be um, a particular Sunday where they're looking during the worship for somebody God highlights who needs encouragement at the end of the service. So that'll be their exercise, they'll be in pairs, so they're actively looking to engage the gift, who God is highlighting, who we can go and speak to after the service and share that word with. 
We'll also have, sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll do a session where we will sit and listen and get the word, but we don't know who's for. That's always fun. I've got the word, and it's in here, and I'm praying for this guy during the week, or a lady, whoever it is. I just don't know until I get to church. And then the fun begins. It's, okay, look, you, you've sown this word in me for somebody. Who is it for? Again, people are arriving intentionally looking to share, prophesy, and encourage. We also look um, to encourage people beyond, as I said, beyond Sunday. Sunday's a great place. It's a place where we can feel confident and comfortable in prophesying. But the real heart of prophecy is actually outside the four walls, taking it out there and going and doing something. So I just want to share, you, uh, share with you some of the things that we are experimenting with in order to take prophecy outside the church. Dan, can I have the last slide, please? So we've got a couple of things that we're experimenting with. One of the first is uh, blessing cards. Okay, they're very simple cards, and all they do, they just simply say, may Jesus bless you on the front. You can get 250 of these free, I think, with various offers and things. And on the back, they have uh, our email address, or sorry, our website, and our logo. Now, this is what we do. They're small cards, small enough to stick in your wallet or your handbag, and there's just enough space for a sentence, a single prophetic sentence. And when you're out and about and mixing with, with the community, they don't want long words. They don't want a sheet of A4. They want something sharp to the point that God is saying. So what we do when we're out, I was out last week. I was having a, a meal with a friend of ours in a pub. We were chatting to the, the guy who was serving us. He had a very unusual tattoo on his forearm. So I asked him about the tattoo because it was of a, a rowan tree, which is unusual. He said it was um, his mother had died, and on her grave, there's a rowan tree actually growing on the grave. And that's why he's got it on his arm. So I had one of the cards out. When we finished, I just wrote a little thing on there saying, your mum was obviously very special to you because you've gone to the, the length of putting that tattoo there. And you're all that in the same way, that's how God feels about you. So it's just a little prophetic statement there. And I left it with him, and he picked it up, and he read it. And he was obviously his mum was very precious to him, so he was really moved by it. But it's just something very simple that you can just leave, just write something short and leave there. So we're... What we're trying to do is change our mindset. So when we're going out and doing things, we can have these with us, and we can just write that one sentence and leave it. If you're feeling, if you're just starting out, we tell people, write it, just leave it with the plates and go. If you're feeling more confident, then you can actually give it to them at the end. And we've got some people in our church who have reached the ultimate where you share it and then say, do you mind if I pray for you before we go? And they get to pray. So, again, it's just a, a way, it's a seed, it's a tool for using prophecy outside in the community. Um, we also do what we call prophecy cards. They are, as I said, a lot of people just need some creative ideas. Um, once you give them the ideas, then they can run with them. So we have cards which just simply have ideas. Things like, on a Monday morning, when you're praying, having a quiet time, ask the question, who do I need to be praying for in my workplace and why? Okay, we're just becoming intentional about prophecy, thinking about that, and then praying and looking for an opportunity to share with them. Or uh, what prayer needs will I encounter this week? 
whether it's in the workplace, in the home, whether you're out and about, or who needs a word of encouragement in my community. Just questions that start to stir the thinking, and as I said, making us proactive in sharing. We also have uh, a final thing that we, we're, uh, we've had some fun with over the last couple of years is the spiritual spa. Okay, spiritual spa. Spiritual spa is, well, we, we, we went along to some psychic fairs. You've probably seen the psychic fairs. Went along, had a look. As soon as they find out you're Christians, they really don't want to know. They don't want you anywhere near them. It spoils their atmosphere if you're there and run about. So we decided, well, could we, could we do our own sort of spiritual fair, if you like? Well, we call it a spiritual spa. We're taking what we're good at, we're good at praying. We're good at getting prophetic words. We're good at these things. Taking what we're good at and what we know we can do and just using it out there with non-Christians. So what we do is we, we set up, uh, we either go to fates or fairs or we set up in Tunbridge Wells and we put a big board up, very simple, with lots of pictures on, unusual pictures on. That's our sort of the thing that draws people in because they'll walk past and they'll see the board and they'll say, what's with all the pictures? And We'll just say to them, well, uh, if you have a look at the pictures, if there's one picture in particular that jumps out of you, if you take that picture to the table over there, they'll actually give you an encouraging word from God. So we started on this thinking, I'm not sure how this will work, whether anybody will respond to this. And we were amazed at how many people will respond to this. Not only that, because they chose the picture, they feel responsible for what you share. Well, it's my picture. And so... They usually say to me, you know, how long will it take? And I say, well, it'll take about five minutes, but you'll probably be there for about 20. Because once you start sharing the heart of God, these guys don't want to go anywhere. They just want to stay there and receive more. And um, when we first did this, it was convincing people that it's easier to prophesy over non-Christians than it is over Christians. If you tell a Christian... God loves you, they'll look at you as if like, yeah, well, tell me something I don't know. You say that to a non-Christian, and they are blown away because their thinking is, I don't go to church, so God's not interested, he doesn't care, I'm on my own. So when you start sharing the heart of God, how much he loves them, the destiny he has for them, you know, a lot of them will end up in tears, and they're just blown away by this. So that's, that's kind of a, a thing where we're just sort of, experimenting with us set up fairs and things like that and it's working it's working really well i just want to finish really with a story from the last one we did we were at um, a fair in a in a village nearby and a couple came up to me and they asked the question what's with all these pictures i explained what it is and uh the the wife said uh, i said would you like to have a go and the wife said yeah i'll have a go and husband said no i'm, I'm not interested so the wife took the picture, went to sit down, and I'm engaged now in a conversation with the husband. He said, how long does it take? I said, well, I think it usually takes about five minutes, but she'll probably be there for about 20. And he's like, no, she'll be there two minutes. She doesn't believe in, uh, in God or anything like that. No, she'll give him short change. You know, she'll be finished in a couple of minutes, absolutely. Five minutes passed, we're still talking. She's still sitting there, uh, totally engaged with what's going on. So he decides to wander off, and he'll come back again when she's finished. So she's sitting there for 20 minutes. After 20 minutes, she comes out and I said to her, how'd you get on? She said, it was brilliant. It was incredible. I never thought about God like that. How much he loves me, how much he cares. He has so stirred me. I just can't wait to tell my husband. (laughs)
And I thought, your husband has no idea what is going on in your life at all. So I, I hope I've just shared some sort of ideas for sort of stirring it up. It is possible. You know, we can get, my, my, I said, our vision is everyone confident in hearing God's voice, confident in sharing his heart, not just in church on a Sunday, but outside, in the community, everywhere we go. Thank you, Nigel. Um, we just wanted to give some space because we've given a lot of information. Uh, we just wanted to open up for some questions you might have um, around maybe you're processing some of this or just particularly around uh, training or equipping or gathering together people prophetically. Um, this is an opportunity to be able to ask some questions. I might draw upon Angela if she has some things as well to be able to add, add to this. So. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Um, we, we have some people in the church who I would describe as prophetic sniffer dogs. Um, they sort of, they pick, up, they pick up the bad stuff. And it's not that they're negative, judgmental people. It's they, they're 95% of the time, they're right. It's, it's trying to work out how that kind of, what, what that is, and how that fits into the, the larger picture of what you're talking about in terms of consolation, comfort, just what do you do if, you've, if you find yourself with that? It actually can be quite uncomfortable and just trying to help those people steward that kind of prophetic. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, one of the things that we uh, teach about is the fact that there's revelation and then there's um, what, interpretation. I say it this way. We, we put a little card together. We kind of said, what do you see? Usually you see something or you hear something or you feel something. So that's information. Somebody gave this really good example. I think it was Graham Cook. He said that he was in a prophetic situation with some leaders and he had this young elder that um, he felt that the information that he had from God was that this young elder was backstabbing the senior leader. Okay, that, that's what you feel. That's what you see, what you, Okay. And so then the next question is, well, what do you say? And a lot of times it's taking what you see and saying, God, what do you want to say about that that makes it differently? So with this, what he ended up doing was he ended up taking this young elder and putting him back to back with the senior leader and saying, brother, God wants you to protect the back of this man from people that, want, that speak against him. And so many times what, you, what it is is recognizing that just having revelation, what you see, is incomplete. And so that person might be, have discernment, a, a developing discernment gift, might have a developing a gift of just sensing when, when there's trouble. But, but equally, it could be linked to intercession and prayer. Like, what, what do I say? You don't say anything, you pray. Or secondly, um, there might be something where, you know, to tell somebody God says you're depressed doesn't, doesn't help. <laughs> but if all of a sudden, if you're praying for someone, you just say, there's real depression. Just say, I just speak life. I just speak encouragement. I pray that you would just know the confidence of God. And just, so then what you say is differently many times to what you see. And then the last part of it is the application. What do you do? And that's usually left to the person. 
that you do. So it, it's training people that sometimes it can be incomplete with the first thing that you get or sense. And it's helping people to sort of sit in the saddle, so to speak, country, a, a country, uh, cowboy term, to sit in the saddle and just carry that um, for, for a little bit until you have a clarity of what is it that, that, you, that you say. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I had a good friend of mine who, who had that gift. He used to say, um, yeah, I can see the dark side. Uh, that's what I get to see. And there's a purpose in God. You know, we, we talked it through. I said, there is a purpose in God showing you these things. It's not just a, a random thing. What we're looking for in each situation is, why, God, are you showing me this? Why am I seeing it? Why am I picking it up? And something that you know, Michael talked about as well is, God, what is your heart in this situation? Okay, sometimes we're very good at prophesying words and information, but actually real prophecy is the heart of God. It's God, what is your heart? Not just what do you want to do, but what is your heart in this? So yeah, it's, it's taking it, saying, God, why am I seeing this? What do you want to do, as, as the illustration that Mike was saying? And then what's your heart? Um, yeah, and where do I take it from there? Okay. Any other questions? Oh, sorry, I didn't see it. I just want to ask about the times and seasons, the difference. For the fact that I heard something, does it mean you have to say it right away? Or do you, do you understand what I'm trying to say? So your question is about is whether you have to say think everything that you that you hear? Something I found very helpful. Someone said to me, God always builds timing into the word, which means you don't have to share it straight away. So when God shares something, he knows when it's going to be released. So you don't have to release it in the moment. Now, there will be occasions where you get something and uh, maybe it's a, a visit to the church and there may not be another opportunity and we have to step out with something. But most things... Uh, again, we say to our team, if you've got any doubts, prophecy can wait. Prophecy can always wait for uh, you to pray, you to ask for help, or you to get some more discernment as to what God is saying. So what, what we find is with people, there will be some people who will say to you, I have to share what God gives me and I have to do it now. And what I've discovered over the years is those people don't get very much deep revelation because God doesn't trust them with it because they're going to share it. Those who have more patience and are willing to work with God tend to get deeper stuff. Um, that's just the way it goes. I mean, I could tell you, I can tell you some horror stories of people who have shared stuff in the moment that really, if we took them away and to think about what God was saying, they would have shared it completely differently, but I'll, well, your hair will fall out like mine. <laughs> and I suppose as well, working with um, being an elder in the local church as well as being prophetic, that whole con that moment in the middle of a service where somebody comes up and has something they want to share, and it's got to be now, and, and you know it's not complete. It's that's part of the culture in gathering prophetic people together is recognizing the language and helping them to understand that. What do you see? I don't quite think you've got sorted out what to say yet about what you see. You know, so if you get that sort of language in there, that culture, that then they can understand that. Okay, you know, that they share something. They go, that's great what you shared. Can you just work on that a little bit? Just go away a little bit longer and see. But a lot of times, 
we have an expectation that everything needs to be spoken. There is, as I said, I think coming back to this idea of that God speaks things to people around um, a, a burden to pray and just to be able to stand and being able to handle those, those things as well. Okay? That's a good point. Sunday mornings, again, with, with, an, with an open mic, there is a limited opportunity for people to come and bring stuff. And we're, we've just experimenting at the moment with something we call the prophecy board which is a board that we have up for those people who have words on a Sunday morning and either they don't have the confidence to go to the front or what they've got doesn't fit with the flow of what's happening at that point in time so that we don't lose that. Those words can go up on that board. It also means it gives me an opportunity to look at them, read them, talk to people who've had them, find out. You'd be amazed how in the moment they wrote something down, they stuck it on the board, but that extra time has developed what God is saying. So I can come back to them afterwards. I can email them on a Monday and say, you put this on the board. It's great. You know, is there more that God was saying? So, again, it's providing opportunities for people to share, not necessarily in the moment. But um, One other thing I just want to add is that part of what we're doing this week is starting to put out sort of a, a, a vision and a plan for how we want to grow the prophetic in our local churches. And I just would value from the church leaders some feedback as to what's working in your situation, what that looks like for you, what challenges you face, what would it look like. One of the questions I love to ask is, how can we help you to grow the prophetic in your local in local church, or how can we help? Some people might say we, we've got something that's developing. Some might say we haven't got anything. So just as I said, if you can, you know, in the following days and weeks, just come back to us with just a little bit of feedback as to what that lo looks like for you. That helps us to make sure that we're presenting something that's that's manageable. So, any other questions? Um, <clears throat> what would you say would be the difference between so like, a word of prophecy? And the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, because sometimes they could sound the same. Um, sometimes the the uh, a word a word of knowledge sometimes speaks to the past, uh, uh, knowledge of information, the, and a word of wisdom can speak to the answer of what God's future is, you know, and and so or or, or a God answer. And so, and prophecy would be something basically communicating some things that, that are not known by man themselves. And so under the umbrella of the prophetic, there is at times where you're drawing upon things from the past and drawing on things to the, in the future to speak to where they are now. And so that's, any other thing to add to that? I was just wondering how you encourage the prophetic amongst children. Yeah, I did say our vision is for the youngest to the oldest. So what we do once a term, we go into the Sunday school and we do um, prophetic sessions, if you like, with them. So what we do is we will, we will base it around a story and off the back of that... We will have, so for instance, we did, the last one we did was based around the lost son. So we did, told the story of the lost son, and then we, we, we gave them the opportunity to say, what would it feel like to be lost? And then how does God feel, how do you feel being found again at the end? And use that as a way. Now, how does, how does that feel to be lost from God and found by God? 
and just got them to express, to listen, to express what they felt God was saying uh, with pictures uh, and words. And um, yeah, it, it was great. What, we, what we're trying to do is make that listening a normal part of their spirituality at an early age so that when they get, as they grow older, that's a normal part for them. It's normal to listen, to hear, to draw, to express, to feel. So yeah, we're, so we're just starting on that road, but yeah, it's, it's important. It's just like um, a little contribution, um, if you don't mind. Um, this morning I was having a shower, getting ready to come to be picked up, and I heard how many husbands lay hands and prophesy over their wives. And with the question my brother raised, I think sometimes children learn from their parents. And it, what I do with my kids is when the Spirit of God comes upon me, I call them and I declare what God is saying. And they're beginning to see it come to pass. My younger daughter sometimes would say, Dad, what was that word you shared with me? That prophetic word. And I said, oh, when not you listen? So what I'm trying to say is, as we, <laughs> you know, as we move in the prophetic and they see that, oh, my dad has this gift, my mom, and you call things to be. And when they see it, they begin to desire it. That's my contribution. And did you have anything? Okay. Um, it's about handling um, people who think they've got something but don't get a chance to share it. Like when you go to a large conference, like we used to have prayer and fasting, you get a massive queue of people. And at the end of the session, a lot of them go away because they haven't had an opportunity and they actually don't look too downcast. But um, in a church situation, if you had people, which we might not have, but if you did, with people who, for one reason or another, you have chosen not to include their contribution, would you like to make some comments about how you handle that afterwards, the possible backlash or the disappointment, etc.? We're um, just let you know that part of what Jeremy's going to talk about tomorrow, we're going to have some discussions around contributions a little bit as well, just sort of give a bit of a framework with that, that as well. I think part of it is, for me, in journeying and helping to develop the prophetic in individuals, it's, it's celebrating the process with them, not just that it's an event. You know, so for instance, the, the Sunday morning microphone is not the objective all the time. And we were talking about this. That there's, the, there's the contention between giving a focus for worship and allowing for contributions. And sometimes it's when those two don't line up. It's like when everybody's looking like this and somebody wants to give a word that makes them go like that. You know, and so it's that sometimes it's a question of timing, whether it is of, of gifting, you know, or, or, or the, right, the right words. And so it means um, having relationship with those people to be able to say, can we come back to that? And then giving them the time to be heard, um, but also recognizing that there's times, even, even being a regular person that prophesies, where I know it's not fitting at that moment. And so teaching that if it doesn't quite fit, that doesn't mean that God's confusing everybody right now. It can mean that it's something that could be for another another time. So I think also as well, it helps to build the character of the person 
to know how they handle it when, the, when they're not able to be communicating. And so it's that journey with them in, in helping with it. But obviously, there's, we try as best we can. Sometimes we'll put the prophetic words at the end of our worship time or a time when we feel that that you know, would be a more suitable for that. Sometimes it just doesn't fit, and we just say, can we come back to you? But I usually try to have some dialogue with them about it so that I'm honoring the, the word that they're giving, um, not just saying no that way. So, More questions? Thanks. Okay. Well, we um, so we just wanted to give give some time today to so some practical, just sort of applications and, and that sort of thing. And so, um, that if, if there's no other things, would you want to do at this point? All right. Well, one of the great things about the prophetic is it actually can be quite practical, and that is... <laughs> that is the idea that we wanted to give opportunity in each, each of the days to be able to, to have some time to pray and prophesy and encourage one another. And so what I want to do is we want to, to have a demonstration of that with each other. So what I want to encourage you to do is probably to get together with... Um, two, two or three people, three people particularly, at least three people, let's say. So let's try that again. <laughs> at least three. That's like Spanish Inquisition. One, two, three. Uh, three individuals. That way you've got somebody that is receiving something, someone that is giving uh, a word, and another person that's listening, which is a good principle as well. What I want us to do is I want us to, I'll, I'll just sort of demonstrate with us, just to be able to, I want you to just take turns praying for one another and listening. Just say, God, what is your heart for this person? And let's do that, okay? So if you want to just stand up, let's, let's stretch ourselves here. We're going to step out. This is where, where we grow in, in stretching. So 